This is Bergcast Calling, and I'm Howard David Ingham. In episode 5 of Bergcast, John and I continue our discussion of 1955's Quatermass 2 with special guest Nigel Neal biographer Andy Murray. We're going to talk about raised stakes, worldwide government conspiracies, ruthless murder, and an age where you made sure that your sub-editor was getting it all down even while your mind was being parasitised by a malevolent alien force. Consequently, this episode of Bergcast is not for children or persons of a nervous disposition. So episode two of Quatermass 2, The Mark, broadcast on 29th of October 1955. We've had the repeat of the first episode on, on the Monday evening. I think so. so yeah, yeah. So every, every, every Saturday evening. I know it's scheduled for eight, but obviously it's live TV, yeah, so it's things can as well. We have uh, a reprise of the first episode, but this is live telly, isn't it? And we've got... There. It's not a film recording, is it? They're, they're, yeah. they're simply... Redoing. They're redoing the performance. And we have... Dylan has something on his face, but we look around... It's gone. So from that, we assume that it has entered, possessed him somehow. There's a callback in our minds to how the farmer was and how he was different to the other. We're now advancing the plot with something that's possessing people. The guards arrive and they're machine guns, they're dressed in proto-fascist uniforms Mm -hmm. and they're acting. And they're talking like zombies. And they're talking like zombies. And because I went into this as unspoiled as possible, so I didn't know the full plot when I when I went to watch this as well. And therefore, when I first saw this scene, I was unsure initially whether the the guards were possessed or whether their rather stilted delivery was due to, <laughs> was due to um, not not in the best acting. I I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt yeah, and say I think they, they were they they, they were all on purpose. Yeah, I, th- I think it's evident personally. I think it was. Um, I don't think they were the best actors, frankly, and I think they were like not the best actors doing doing zombie. Actually, and uh, you know, obviously later on is it's is evident. I think that's what what the workers call them, isn't it? They call yeah. Them oh, it zombies. is. Yeah, no, 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 I think it's that's that's for us as well. But they take they take Dylan away. Quatermass tries to remonstrate with them, and it's Dylan himself who then snarls to to go away. So you now now I've heard that he's been taken potentially for something unpleasant, but also that you know that something's happened to Dylan himself. But. Is it a bit of a plot hole they don't have? Well, why don't they kill Quatermass? I know why they don't kill Quatermass <laughs> from a narrative perspective. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's a loose thread, isn't it? But it's a, a well, they're not killing anyone at this point. I think, you know, we're fair. I, I think the plot, as in, and by plot, I mean the, the plan, is extending forward at a fairly steady rate and it's extending forward quickly and exponentially. But Quatermass has actually picked this up at the sort of tipping point where it's just beginning to become a thing and they're not ready to kill people yet. Later on, as we'll discover, they're ready to kill people. But right now, this is not the thing. I think they're not ready to do that. So I think, and also I don't think they know who he is yet as well. You mean they don't do it because they don't want to draw unnecessary attention? Yeah, yeah, they're not ready. They're not powerful enough to kill people yet. They will be, like, in a few days or in a few weeks or in three episodes. But at this point, they're not, I think. So I, I, I felt it made sense to me. See, actually, actually, one of the reasons why I watched it, and I watched it for the very first time a couple of weeks ago, and then watched it back-to-back with the, um, with the Hammer film. But I actually found myself, for most of it, and we'll talk about this later, actually liking it more than the Quatermass experiment because of the way it develops. It develops naturally. You can sort of see Neil's, 
you were talking about Neil's development as a writer, and you can see that Neil's actually getting better at this yeah. as he goes on. Yeah, well, well obviously, Great Mass Experiment was written, as great as it is, was slightly cobbled together. And yeah, he's had a couple more years to kind of develop as a, as a writer. And yeah, it, it, there's very much more of a, a structure and a sort of unfolding. And you can see that, yeah, it, it makes absolute sense that at this stage, the guards are just sinister and they don't need to kill anybody because it's just enough that they are sinister guards at this stage. Mm, yeah. Later on, it's you, you can see them becoming killers and that has more impact. If you bring the two together, you don't have that sort of drip, drip effect. And I think that's what he's after there. Yeah. But, okay, so Dylan's gone, but we very quickly get a new temporary companion for, for Quatermass when Wilfred Bramble appears out of, out of the ground. Right. And I'm thinking about Bramble's what? I'm thinking more of like Wilfred Bramble. He's in 1984, isn't he? Yeah. He's used, he's used, so he's, he's, some, he's someone yeah, that the Cartier, the Cartier uses. He plays even someone uh, who looks sort of old and decrepit. But, in, you know, Bramble can't be more than his early to mid 40s. Yeah, he's yeah, one but, of those, still, but still looks. Who never you know, looked as, as well. <laughs> Whether you say Tramp or. I think Tramp is the. It feels pejorative because that's uh, there's this there's sort of slight bucolic um, depiction of vagrants of wandering the the English countryside, which isn't making a, a point about homelessness, which would now be how you would yeah. make, yeah. how you might might view that character. But anyway, he um, explains to to Quatermass that he was here a year ago when the the village of Wilton Flats was hadn't been torn down was still. Was, was still there. There were a few prefab huts and now there is just a whole prefab new town that's been created in, in its place and quickly. He said, it was, yeah, he was, and he was here and said it a year ago. Is there a comment to be made possibly about new towns post-war and being built up and what that means? To yeah, them? I think that's, that's very intentional and I, th- I think what Neil does very well with those sort of 50s Quatermass serials is he, he writes about very specifically about what's going on at that time, even though I think in the publicity it says that they're based sort of 10 years later, they're not, they're set in the time that they were made. And, you know, so looking back now, you could write a serial that's set in the 50s in quite a sort of generic 50s, but this isn't that. He's writing very specifically about what's going on at that time, which changes, you know, every few years, every time he's writing Equator. And I think he's writing about the Britain of 1955, where those things are happening. And it grounds it. Neil was quite choosy about what he declared himself to be a fan of, but he was certainly a fan of H.G. Wells and that effect that H.G. Wells has of putting something extraordinary in a sort of very recognisable, contemporary, just outside your window setting, which is what he's doing here. So if you look at Neil's work, for all the fact that people associated with science fiction or whatever, he very rarely writes about the far future, very rarely writes about space aliens even. You know, he certainly doesn't have space alien characters, <laughs> but you know the, the 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 kind of the threat in each Quatermass. There's possession. Rather, yeah, exactly. Rather a physical monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's always kind of much more about things that you can recognise, and and it's always something that you could walk out your front door and see. So if, if that's what you could walk out your front door and see in 1955, that's what he wrote about. So he visits Winton Flats has become the new town, Winton Flats. And he goes to the Camp Voluntary Committee Duty Office to ask sort of what's happened, where all this has come from and why. And Cartier is very clear that at the start of this, we noticed the, the slogans, the, yeah. uh, the um, remember, secret, remember secret means sealed lips and the really disturbing talk about your job and lose it. <laughs> um, but there's an immediate sense of this is not a relaxed place place to work. Where, where are the red bubble t-shirts of this? I want to know. Yes, that's, 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 <laughs> there's, 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 there's one to well. I've done with uh, plenty of... <laughs> anyway, Quatermass um, 
goes to complain to uh, the community police officer, but who, who gives him short shrift. Nevertheless, the the mark. Well, he's not a police officer, really. Sorry, no, is it's it? a community yeah. officer of some description who who, who basically that you can't bring the police on here because there's there's no jurisdiction, which is you know, alien to, yeah. to to bring. But this is this scene is where the mark is first introduced as a and it's a it's a via a child. Yeah. That's really given given later on in the series. I mean it's bad enough that it's a kid now, but given what it means later on, it's absolutely chilling. Yeah. You know, I think a second watch would just uh, Yeah, because the mother of the child when she comes up to uh, um, tell her she's been playing where she shouldn't, she's not possessed, is she? And she just sees the kid as, No, no. Yeah, she sees the kid as a bit withdrawn and yeah. a, a bit sullen, but you know, there's a, a generational misunderstanding thing that can often be seen of that's how kids are. Very much so the the officials he meets are possessed, yeah. um, but it's only the uh, the mark on the girl arm that makes him start to start to piece together that there's some connection with how these people are possessed. But with Abbott Song's uh, Dylan, he returns to the Rocket Group, where we have the big development uh, from these from these scenes is that Leo has reconstructed from the fragments that that Dylan gave him the meteor. And in case you're unsure, the meteor looks like a spaceship, a very, <laughs> very small spaceship. Like, it's good because you've got to be able to communicate to the audiences, this isn't what a meteor looks like. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's not totally sleek, but it's, it has a long rejuvenance. It's, it's clearly designed to be yeah. fired, fired into the atmosphere and land on the ground in one, in, in one piece. But I mean, how much do you think the average public knew about meteors in 55 that they could... Uh, yeah, obviously not an awful lot, but I, I, you could also say that the point is it doesn't look organic. It doesn't no. like something that like it looked like something that has been designed or made, or and, and it has that element of, again, something's wrong here. This isn't what you would just expect to see. And, and it's lovely the way in which the evidence, initially circumstantial, mounts up. You know, you have a hint of something wrong, and then you have something a bit wrong, and then there are people acting wrong, and then there's, like, something very wrong. Yeah. And the wrongness just sort of becomes this sort of clump of wrongness at the heart of the thing, like like a tumour. And it's really kind of effective because it's... I, I find the mark particularly skin-crawling, you know, actual nightmare-inducing. And, you know, because it looks like a raw wound, doesn't it? It looks... You know, on the black and white, it probably didn't look half as good when you were there, but in the grainy black and white, it looks like something that's sort of weeping and... Yeah. It is it, nasty. It, 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 it's visceral. An infection. Yeah. There's this great idea, and um, we kind of talked about this slightly earlier, but um, that, you know, on one level, Quatermass 2 was intended to be a sort of salvo against the opening of ITV. So what do you do? Well, you bring back Quatermass and you put something horrible on television and you terrify people. You know, it's, it's not a kind of, it's not a light entertainment crowd pleaser. It's, let's do this, which will give everybody nightmares. And, and children and people of a sensitive disposition are, are in fact advised not to watch it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well. Does that come in, that come in for this episode or is it a later episode? I think it might be slightly later, and okay. I think they were quite cross about that. I think they were slightly cross about the idea that if you, well, it's that thing, isn't it? If you flag that up at the start, then people think, "Oh, great, there's going to be something," rather than it just affecting you the way it should. Was know? Neil not happy with that? Really? I think it was Cartier who didn't okay. like the idea that you know something was being kind of um, signposted a little bit. But I, I, I guess, I mean, I have I have strong feelings about the idea of the the content warning, which is exactly what this is. 
you know, I think content warnings are the opposite of censorship in that they give people an informed chance to know what they're going to watch. And I think there is a fair number of people who get weird about this sort of thing, who get sort of, I'm being patronised. How dare you patronise me? I'm, I'm able to watch anything <laughs> without being told about it. It's like, well, this is not for you, is it? Yeah. I suppose that the difference now, in, where's, when, the BB, when the, the BBFC uh, first had its, its classical censors in that, classification now but when it first had its levels of, of classification they would have to be de- defined parameters this will be a, yeah this is a 50 yeah. this is an 18 and and what you would now term a trigger warning you would be quite specific this contains you know i, I remember talking to you about hereditary and i was like trigger warning this contains the brutal death of a child um yeah before you go into- i'm still going to watch it but now i'm going in braced for that yeah but now but being say children or people of a sensitive disposition or nervous disposition when you have to sort of self-diagnose in a sort of <laughs> it feels judgment like it's like basically snowflake this isn't for you and that's like that that that's why i think rather than saying this contains x make your judgment about where you sit rather than it puts the, the emphasis onto you to then to then to then say come and have a go if you think you're hard enough and i wonder as well whether it's it's slightly kind of in the wake of 1984 that kind of oh we'll just we'll just put that on there because very much so. we've yeah, been here yeah, before. before yeah as well before we begin the fourth episode of quatermass 2 we'd like to say that in our opinion it is not suitable for children or for those of you who may have a nervous disposition so um Quatermass now thinks he's got enough to go to. Well, initially the police, isn't it? We have we have a we have a location shot in London. It's brilliant. Yeah. Fifty five. We have we see we see we see Trafalgar Square. Um, <laughs> and he goes to see uh, Lomax, the detective uh, chief constable from the first story, but he's. But they couldn't get that actor. Well, so. Yeah, he's 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 not there. So we get his um we get his we, we get his replacement who basically who. He's only there to say the police can't do anything. And that's, so that's to have viewers later on going, well, where's, where's the police this time? He grinned at the police straight away. There's one scene basically saying, not our problem, girl, nothing we, nothing we can do. Covered. So he goes, um, some might say more, probably more logically, to, to his main contact as, as yeah, head of the British, the British rocket group, his fancy guy, who is um, Fowler, played by, played, played, by, played by Austin Trevor. And he becomes the the main companion to quite a mass for the, the midpoint, the middle story of the of the of, of, of the piece. And there's although he's depicted as a civil servant and all the things that is is now fashionable or almost to the extent of being stereotypical about a British civil servant and their and their role in such such dramas as being pen pushers as being yeah. a negative force. Um, there's a lot of deadpan humour about about this character. Uh, I think he refers to himself as, he says to Quatermass, we've had dealings for a number of years, you as a driving force of an enterprise of the future, I as one of the obstructive civil servants you have to, you have to contend with. And there's, is, 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 is Neil pouring a lot of his, his BBC experience into, into those? Oh yeah, he, he really hated a lot of the, the, the bureaucracy around that, yeah. Um, this is a thing with BBC writers, generally, of the era. Again, we're going to come back to Pertwee era Doctor Who, and of course that gave us the real blooming of Robert Holmes. Sure, but and sorry, Pertwee Doctor Who is full of um, <laughs> crap civil servants yeah. just all the time, and you can sort of see. I think I don't. I don't know. I feel this is a thing, isn't it? You know, I feel that this is this is when like broadcast media really, really starts laying the boot into bureaucrats. 
I suppose. I mean, this is specifically a story about uh, the aliens have already taken positions of power in, in government, uh, or indeed, in, not just not, not just the UK government, as we as as, as we learn. So it plays into the well, this has been described in, in the nineteen eighty four adaptation as you know as a, uh, the state as the state as a negative force. Yeah. Um, there's something quite which is different to a something quite uh, not harmless, but um, Comical or ineffective about Pertwee era um, civil servants. You look at you know Walker in the Sea Devils or Chin in Claws of Axos, and they're they're seen they're they're there to be laughed at. Yeah. Um, uh, but then on the other hand, Pertwee Doctor Who is unlike quite a mass explicitly for kids. Yeah, indeed. But and yeah. quite a mass is explicitly not. So the portrayal of these civil servants is going to be a little bit more cuddly of it by just by nature of what we're watching by and large i'm thinking though is it is it invasion of the dinosaurs where the conspiracy goes up higher than you yeah. than you initially thought and then suddenly sarah's sarah's in trouble it's sir charles isn't it yeah. sir charles Gardner. um yeah and there's there's something sinister about that that's probably because that's a malcolm hulk story and malcolm <laughs> wasn't a big fan of the state you know, <laughs> that's, as uh, well, the, the British state he was a car carrying communist um, so I suppose there you can he was pop, yes yeah you you, you, you you can see more sinister tones there than you can but this is uh, here I think we showed the other way because there's an overriding conspiracy in, 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 in the government Fowler is seen as benign and has to be seen as benign, has to be seen on, on, on Quasimatsu's side. But nevertheless, he reveals that um, the plant is, uh, is a top-secret project to make synthetic food, but that there's other people who share Quasimatsu's concerns about what's going on in the secrecy thereof, not least of which uh, a Vincent Broadhead MP, played by Rupert Davis, who would be the first person to play Maigret in the years following this. And it just so happens that he's conducting an inquiry into the project, which is taking place literally at that moment. That, that's, that's, that's handy. That's handy as well. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. I mean, that's just narrative shorthand. That's no different from having aliens speak English. It's like, you know, in sci-fi shows, it's just like aliens speak English in sci-fi shows because... It's boring to deal with the language difficulties every week. And it's just having the inquiries happening now means it keeps the plot going along, and that's fine. I wish there was another another way to make that it didn't go. Oh, that's handy. <laughs> what's, what, what is crucial you learn from that is that there are identical plants around the world. Yeah. I think you mentioned here, Siberia, it mentions uh, Brazil. That this is yeah. not that they they try and give it a sense of scale. For yeah. This is this is a coordinated coordinated invasion, and all of those uh, who would moan about Doctor Who's aliens generally invading the southeast of England, um, we try and give this yeah. uh, a, 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 a worldwide feel very nicely as as, yeah. as, 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 as well. Um, so Quatermass is taken into the the inquiry. And I, th- I find this scene genuinely, genuinely chilling. When Quatermass goes into the inquiry and everyone is, is there, and they're, other than uh, Broadhead, no one's really speaking, yeah. and they're just sort of staring at him. Oh, the way it's shot. Yeah, fantastic. and because you haven't seen in the inquiry before Quatermass does, you like Quatermass' experience, yep. what's happening for the first time, so you don't know if it's been friendly or, or, what, or what's being discussed. And yeah, there's a, there's a starkness to how, yeah. to, how, to how it's shot. And then when Quatermass sees on the mark... On one of the on one of the uh, the civil servants, yeah, um, he knows that 
upper echelons of government are now fully informed to the to the to to to, to the conspiracy or whatever's going on there, and that's a I, I, I felt that was the first genuine moment I thought, oh bloody hell! But it's a real sense of like a tightening of the noose, isn't it? From, yeah. From you know the, from the first start of the first episode to this, there's that whole sense of it gets more and more suffocating and more and more pervasive. And yeah, that's great. Yeah, as well. Which is the cliffhanger to episode two. So episode three, the flood, Guy Fawkes nights, nineteen nineteen fifty five, and we reprise to back in the uh, the inquiry room with the um, the civil servants also have the mark. Now, because we're not getting much of a reaction from anyone that's possessed so far, Alakwetimas has brought with him the model of the <laughs> of the um, of the meteor that's been built, and that gets a reaction, but. Not quite what he wants, because basically he wants everyone to just sort of go, fucking hell, what's that there? Yeah, right, get him. And they all sort of go, um, But then I suppose this is sort of the vagaries of also the, the, the logistical necessities of, 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 of live television, because he goes back to, uh, to see the civil servants and then say, no, there's, all, there's a massive conspiracy, come and look, yeah. so, so that they can get everybody out of the room uh, quickly in real time yeah. to then find out that our MP has been taken over. Yeah. Um, again, massively coincidence, that's the time, <laughs> but that's, that's as well to then, but that's his, that's his role in, 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 in proceedings done. Um, and that, but that's, I, I still think that's, that, that makes for a, yeah, a chilling new, a, ch- a chilling, chilling new section. Well, it's, I mean, it's a really ambitious story yeah. to tell, isn't it? So the fact that there are at certain points through a moment ago, you know, I think you can forgive the fact oh, that they, sure. they were deciding not to tell. You know, kind of, you know, people sitting in, in their uh, in their front room that it's a huge story, hugely ambitious. And if some of the practicalities are a little bit kind of iffy, then I, I, I can forgive that. <laughs> but Fowler takes uh, Quatermass to meet uh, the next person to drive the story forward, who's uh, Chuckle Rupert Ward. Um, now he. Is identified as a public relations guy for working in government, for taking people around the plant, and he's so he's the first person that we have been introduced that that has seen the plant and you know, has introduced VIPs in government yeah. to the plant as well. And suddenly, that's where if you had any lingering doubts about saying, well, like how have they been able to take over people in yeah. this sort of plant? There, that's because that's... We've, we've been selecting members of the government to go um, to, to 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 go it to, to go in. And uh, to freshen things up, we go to a coffee bar and get to see life outside <laughs> of, um, as, as, as well. Fortunately, there's no one else in it as well, but it makes it visually interesting, and you get to have you get to have the, the, the person in the coffee shop for, to have some banter with Quaid and Mass to try and try and fill it out, out, out out as well. I've seen it said as well that this is um, uh, it's there's the, the, the shades of sort of sixties Doctor Who yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, sort of like, it's a bit war machines. Like, there's a bit, yeah. You're trying to show a world outside, of, but also you know there's control. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who is required. Doctor Who is is required, but also it's around now. We have that um, that scene with Doctor Pugh and uh, and Paula, who hasn't really had anything to do. <laughs> but we have that while they're working on because they 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 work out that these. There's a pattern to these meteor showers because of the something arrives and goes in an, in an orbit. But we we have the scenes where um, Leo talks about his childhood and um, growing up being very clever in a a, a, um, a place where you didn't necessarily want to be very clever. Yeah. But there's there's a lot about the support of a teacher 
it just creates character which then has has depth to Leo's Leo's yeah. ult, ultimate fate. But there's it, it advances nothing in, in terms of the plot. But it's lovely, lovely stuff. And there's like you know, you get a world, you know, a, a child that was born too clever for his own good yeah. you know, in a rural environment or in a in a, a slightly more closed environment when he's taken support. I, I thought that was a, a moment of charm. It, a, a moment of charm. <laughs> Pertwee would would have would have that. That as well. Uh, here's a line: I joined your father as a mathematical genius. That's not boasting. I was once a, ca- a calculating boy, <laughs> taken to the in the literal in, in the literal sense of the word. Is this around the time we have the we're introduced to the family? Is that has that happened? Because they're on their way. They're on their way to the. They're on their way to the plant, and then we have a genuinely a genuinely chilling moment. Yeah. We've we've gone to Leo and Paulo, and he's that there, there's a pattern to these. That there's something is uh, is deliberately. Um, orchestrating the the meteor showers and is in an orbit and you can therefore calculate that as well and then yeah that's Ward, Quatermass and Fowler go to the plant but before that we have a family yeah. going for uh, well a picnic isn't yeah. it it's, picnic, so, so it's a picnic on the beach even though that since they were last here a massive plant has has, <laughs> has been set up clearly very quickly clearly the dad's going well, that wasn't there before, um, but nevertheless, we're going to. We've planned a picnic. We're having a picnic. Now, I know when we did when we did the film episode um, of this, uh, Howard. Sorry, when we did the film episode of Quatermass Experiment, I didn't yeah. know until reading um, the little girl was was Jane Asher. You spotted it. You spotted it right off. I was impressed. <laughs> I, I I only read later and then went, oh yeah, not that's Jane Asher. Did you recognise the boy of the family in this scene? I did not. Who was it? It's Melvin Hayes. Yeah. It's no Gl- way. It's Gloria from A&R Hotman. <laughs> it's Wendy Padbury's husband. Wow. But anyway, that's... Um, then you had to cast a child. Then you had to cast it, yeah. But it's... The scene... It's just... It's the one that brutalises because it's... it's On the one hand, it's drawing the episode out. But the other, when they... like they That, that Britishness of no... We're still going to have a picnic here, either the we- whatever the weather's like. No matter the fact there's a mysterious plant plopped up right next to the beach where we always do. This is what we're doing, and then yeah. the fact, and then the guards come and then say basically you have to leave. The the dad going don't threaten my family, and then we cut to Quatermass's car going past, mm-hmm. and it's Fowler that says, "Oh, there's something going on there. Do you want to stop?" But because the gates have been opened, Quatermass sees this as no. This is an opportunity for us to get in the plant without too without too many questions. Yeah. Without too many questions, that's 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 a piece of brutal. That's cold, isn't that's, it? That's that's a that's a piece of brutal characterization for Quatermass Massner because yeah. there's like there's enough that there's a family with a gun. Like, do we want to step in? But he's seen the bigger picture, and uh, it's uh, yeah. no, it is. It's Don Levy would do that. <laughs> Don Levy would shoot the family anyway. Like him, 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 yeah, himself. yeah. Um, but it's like and then shout at them. and then and then shout at their corpses. But I, 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 I was, I understand why. But there's, I suppose you have the sort of, uh, sort of unconscious idea that what you, th- what you want Quatermass to be, what you want your hero character to be like, he, well, he's, he's the good guy in all, in, in all. But this is, this was seen as calculating and brutal. No, this is, this is, he's got bigger stuff to worry about than your, than your concerns. About. And also, you have that brilliant thing that he's headed into the plant. What's he going to find? What, what sort yeah. of situation he had? That kind of situation. Yeah, he's yeah. no quite serious. This well, he, he's obviously. Obviously, it was that as well, as, 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 yeah, as well but he's not he, he's not taking any prisoners that way as well. But when they when they're in the plant, they go to see. Ostensibly, they're there to find out what's happened to what's happened to Captain Dillon. 
uh, and we're told he's been discharged. He's not there anymore. Uh, but there's no one. There's no one around. Um, and we've got a lot of lot of location shooting here as well. If we and quite, um, Cartier gets a good opportunity, you don't get in live TV, BBC, BBC studios of you know high angle shooting yeah. and you know the use of. Uh, I mean, sometimes the sun, the positioning of the sun, sometimes as well. But he's, he he gets what he can from the very atmospheric shots uh, and various angles that he can have fun with. And as might be obvious, while we're looking at lots of early 70s Doctor Who it's quite like Inferno uh, in many ways there's lots of there's lots of, ga- there's lots of gantries there's lots of walkways there's, there's lots of gantries so this, this is uh, it's a shell refinery isn't it in, 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 in a shell I, I mean I mean it's industrial setting for yeah. number 207 isn't it it's like one of those sort of stock settings for this sort of drama but this is 1955 this wouldn't have been done a lot at this point would it this would have presumably this is the most extensive location filming for tv up up until this point this would have been this would film okay yeah yeah it's maybe now seen as you know we've got we've got an industrial hard edge feel to it um which yeah we've seen before but not here this is this is the first time we have this sort of not here you know i suppose it's it's the equivalent isn't it you know, Game of Thrones. People watch Game of Thrones now and say, like, wow, it looks so cinematic, that impact, yeah. because you're not used to seeing that. It's that same sort of more modest in its own way way of sort of looking at something on the screen and going, oh my God, I wasn't quite expecting that. <laughs> is there, yeah, is there another thing to be said about, you know, this is, technology is moving on faster than perhaps certain people within within, within society yeah, oh, are, oh, are yeah. comfortable with? Neil, Neil definitely had a thing about, you know, scientists you know can we entirely trust them is this going the way that we want it to yeah he's, he's definitely commenting on that i think he was very keen on you know he's kind of big reader of new scientists and sort of he likes to follow that sort of stuff and to keep an eye on it again it's, it's about being current isn't it it's yeah. about the fact that he, it, these weren't sort of you know fantasy worlds he was writing about the world that he was living in the, the viewer was living in so taking advantage of the fact that there don't seem to be many people around, um, Fowler, Quatermass and Ward um, start start to investigate. But again, it's it's presumably deliberate. Ward disappears, but you don't notice it at the time until they're discussing about what's going on. And the next, they go to find him, and the next you see of him is that Ward's coming out of uh, one of the domes. Uh, and it's... I don't know what the colour would have been when they when they shot it, but obviously they knew that he was going black and white. But it looks like an oil like so yeah. he's, cov- he's covered in a slime, uh, and he's clearly in great pain, like he's being burnt. And um, does he does he say something to Quatermass as he dies at the bottom? I, the I think he just dies, really cares, doesn't he? Um, then Quatermass, like the guards come, and it's like you've seen too much, so they have to get his tie off to get a to get a sample. But then they have to they they they. they, they have or does he say something about food, or there's a? Does he mutter something? Can you remember how does it something he does? <laughs> you can see the difference though in the um, in the options that filming on location has you because there's like two oh, yeah. there's two or three close ups of Ward going down. There's shots of Ward's feet. There's like you couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, there's it gets atmospheric, which is a shame at the bottom because it clearly cuts back to a studio shot with Ward's death scene is, is in the studio. Uh, I don't know whether that was always planned that way or they ran out of time or the light wasn't right, but it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit jarring. It's yes, there is a little bit. Does he, uh, does he say? Gasping. No, don't, don't touch. I had to know. Full of this stuff. I slipped, slipped and fell. Ah, oh, okay. It's so a little bit of muttering. And it's it, kind of talking about, you know, when you first, 
were aware of Quatermass, I can certainly remember way before I'd seen it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have had this same experience, but having a kind of coffee table encyclopedia of science fiction films oh, okay. and that shot from the film not the tv version but that shot of him kind of staggering down the stairs yeah and you, when you had no idea what it was about but that you just that that kind of eight-year-old thing of thinking what's that will i ever see that <laughs> one day so quatermass takes uh ward's tie which is covered in the stuff that's just apparently killed him that was in that was in, that was inside the dome and they hot foot it out do they? Oh, that's right. Yes, they. Uh, we find out the, fam- the fate of the family because, as the car, as the the gates open to take the family's car in, Quatermass and Fowler do one through there, and you see the the woman's arm yeah, just just, just hanging outside. You know that they've been that they've 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 they've, 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 they've been killed. So they go back. They analyze um, the the um, the substance, and we find out it's a corrosive. It's it's you know it's. Poisonous to 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 life 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 on Earth, and it's that point. Oh, that is it. Yeah, it's at that point that um, Quatermass makes the leap that whatever's doing is is we're producing food in the plant, but food that's in the human life, not not as well. It's um, and he had yeah the line, uh, an organism for which oxygen is not a necessity of life, but it is a, a, a destroyer. Um, safe only in a safe only in a shell, a shell of stone, but with power, power, power to compel, and that's the ending to to, to part. Three. It's a bit of a leap, but um, <laughs> he makes it. He, make, he, 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 he makes it. I think I commented when we did um, the differences between the Quatermass film and the Quatermass uh, series is that because the Quatermass series has Patterson as a skeptic, almost, it's easier for the audience to buy into. Quatermass's leaps when Fowler, well, sorry, yeah. when uh, when Patterson's going, no, that's rubbish. They're just idiots. Like, yeah. and you're, no, hold on, yeah, this clearly isn't. So. Um, but when you don't have that in the film, you've got Quatermass going, I know, maybe it's this. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, it's, uh, and the audience isn't quite, I think, carried along in the same in the in the, in the in the same way. Something that's really interesting, and kind of in terms of the the exploration of that plan, is I don't know how well you know Halloween Three, mm-hmm. um, but in his original script, it's much nearer to. Quatermass 2, the North Park Quatermass 2 in it, uh, in that this kind of industrialist has built, you know, a kind of a town to house, a kind of, you know, Bourneville type town mm. to house the workers and he's got the factory, the Silver Shamrock factory, and, you know, the characters break in and explore it and you read it thinking this is very like Quatermass 2 and interesting that Neil kind of felt so, I don't know, maybe fond of it in such a way, that, that he would kind of revisit it and rework it years later, the same kind of structure, the same kind of ideas. Ah, I didn't know I didn't, that was the original. I mean, the one thing that struck me when you see Halloween 3 is the end, essentially when TV is used as a medium to broadcast an evil signal, <laughs> which is quite a mass in the pit yeah, yeah. at the end. And as, I assume that was in yes. the first well. But the stone, stone uh, the standing stones aren't. No, no, he I didn't put that in that, which so it seems like you'd think that was quite a massive as well. But that's that's Carpenter, yeah, that's, yeah. or his, that's his mate. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, that's, or that's you know that's 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 meta yeah. Neil. Is yeah. that adding in yeah, things that I think Neil yeah. should be? But Neil, but Neil doesn't like that. Um, and I think at the end of the episode, of episode three, we have um, a reiteration that um, the asteroid is making its its next run. Now they've done this calculation, and that's the cliffhanger to to part three. Any clear idea what you're trying to trace? An asteroid. Not more than half a mile across. Reaches nearest point to the Earth every 48 hours. 
Then they can come. They? Try to imagine a complete reversal. An organism to which oxygen is not a necessity of life, but a destroyer. Unable to survive in our atmosphere for more than a few seconds. Safe only in a shell. A shell of stone. But with power, Fowler. Power to compel. So episode four, The Coming. Quatermass is making big leaps of deductions to the extent that he reckons that whatever the creature is or the alien is, that it's like a gestalt entity. It's Robert Holmes, are you paying now? It's like all like the nesting, He's writing the, this the, the nesting consciousness. <laughs> but that it comes from one of the moons of Saturn. That's that. That's that's quite a leap. That that is quite a leap. But at the same time, it's not. It's probably less of a leap if you've had a week between watching it and the previous yeah. episode. So watching it on the TV week by week, and I'm, I'm you know I'm old enough to remember like you know the last period of Doctor Who before we had a video recorder, Peter Davison era, and the fact that watching stuff now it seems to happen a lot faster than it did back then. When I was a kid. Well, that's. But part of that is an entire week between. So we've had a week to process this. So it makes sense to us the power to compel and stuff. So all the all the stuff that's sort of gone on in our collective heads over the week between these two episodes means that deductive leaps in TV shows back then aren't as much leaps back then as they are now because we've been thinking about it for a week. That's fair enough. Actually, isn't it? Didn't Stephen Moffat say that when he tried to resolve cliffhangers, he didn't want to resolve them from the moment the cliffhanger ended, as you like, because there was part of the, part of him as a viewer that went, "Are they still there after a week?" And it's, it doesn't have yeah. the, the the immediate impact. So you'd have a you'd have a cut to a completely different thing going on, and you go, "What?" And then you'd you'd flash back at some, at some point to resolve to resolve the cliffhanger. Possibly that. That's, yeah. That's possibly. Yeah. And I think as well that idea that, yeah, it will have been a week since you sealed the last episode, but you won't have been sitting re-watching it. No, as, no, you, you won't. Know, so these did if someone leap out. If someone coughed over the wrong bit as well, yeah, you might have... Exactly. You might have missed that, yeah. So having made the leap to decide that it's an alien creature from one of the moons of Saturn that's starting to stealthily invade the Earth, um, they look at the, they, they then whatever comes out of the of the meteor has to possess someone. How it does that doesn't know, but it physically invades invades and, yeah. and, and takes over the consciousness. So and it has to possess someone or die. And indeed, it's got a few seconds it's... before it before it comes out. Does that mean it sits in in the meteor until someone go, walks up to it, or does it basically have to leap out when it gets there and hope hope, hope someone's nearby? Maybe it reacts to body heat. Yeah, maybe. Let's let's explain it away. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, like landing in, say, like if it lands in, what does it land in, in Brazil? Yeah. If it landed, if it landed <laughs> in the rainforest, it would be like really screwed. Really screwed. Doesn't it say, was it landing in was it, was it yeah, Siber- Siberia? Siberia. Well, that's, not, that's not densely populated, <laughs> populated yeah. area. Answer against it. Yeah. So, yeah. Or you know, aiming for a small island in, in Western Europe. Anyway, <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what we did. And from that, you can assume that then... The population of Winterton Flats destroyed their own village, and it, and they built um, the the place, the um, the new the new town there yeah. as well. So, although it's not exactly Deus Ex Machina, we've already established that Quatermass has a rocket 
but he can't use it because it's unstable because it might because it basically will explode cause yeah. cause a nuclear explosion if you use it together as well but rather than have a hey what's it moment at the end we now see the idea that he's basically going well if all he says to, to pew sorry yes he says to pew basically can you can you get can you get the rocket ready and pew's like well, that's a nuclear bomb <laughs> so you can see you can see where it's going but it's he has the, he, he has the line i think i'm, I'm beyond reason now and it's it, it's a big thing do you feel that? I don't know. It's, it seems it seems a bit of a. I don't see the. I don't see Tate doing that in the in the in the. In the, in the yeah, I can see what you mean. He goes from saying like, right, I've got it. Like, I'm just going to nuke it. <laughs> but then I suppose you know he's he feels helpless and then reacts uh, yeah. against that as well. Yeah. I suppose. It's, yeah, that's it. It's a, a moment of you know high drama, high emotional drama for him. <laughs> but then um, yes. does he contact? Conrad, the the, uh, the journalist, or does the, the journalist contact him? Yeah, contact, the journalist contact him. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, because we get our next companion, not James Full of Love, as we've as we've had as the uh, as the viewer touchstone from the first. Here we're introduced to Full of Love. Doesn't even get a mention, does he? Just, there's, there's a mention of like oh, me, but anyway, we get introduced to we get Hugh Conrad, played by. Uh, Roger Delgado, it's the master. Just in case we hadn't felt enough about se- early 70s, Doctor, <laughs> 70s, 70s Doctor Who, Pertwee yes. Master, turns out. But it's lovely to see him playing a good guy. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, and he's so striking, historically, man, but he's, he's, um, uh, yeah, sorry, it's just, he's always playing, he's always playing villains because he looks like a swarthy stereotypical, you know, in that slightly it, racist. He could have been a good way. queen to us, you know. He could, yeah. Yeah, he could. Yeah. Are you thinking of I mean, like, um, the, the aesthetics of um, Kia, like with, yeah. the, with, the, with the beard and stuff like that, as, as, as well? But it's another example of that keeping it fresh. Someone else is yeah. coming in. Someone else to explain a bit more of the plot to, but to continue that going yeah. with the audience as 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 as, 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 as well. But he meets uh, Comrade, uh, and he meets him in the car. And they're gonna go around for a drive. But he, like Comrade says, like, do you want to go for a drink? About that. Touchstone British way of, 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 of networking. We can either talk with you know, if men meet, they can talk about football, or if you know, we can go to a pub. You know, that kind of stuff. But here they go to the um, it's the Newtown's pub, isn't yeah. it? Contrasted to the pub we saw in episode one, which is a, a friendly country pub. This is this is very much a new uh, the prefab for the workers, and then we, and then we meet the workers who are very much different to the 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 security force or anyone we meet because yeah. the workers who up until recently have been building the plant are clearly not possessed yeah um is it just because they don't want to draw attention to themselves that they they haven't possessed these people or is it just so they can have a scene where they're not possessed and they talk about it yeah, yeah, well, obviously, yeah well, I'm trying to. I'm doing this concept yeah. like, the, the in fiction reasons uh, things as well because you have the lovely human scenes. It's a, a couple are about to celebrate their twenty fifth wedding anniversary, aren't, aren't they? Uh, we learn Quatermass isn't isn't going to. Is he? Are they important enough to possess? It's such a lovely scene, though. Oh, it isn't. No, it's it, it is. I'm just wondering what would the. I suppose would you because. The, the, this reinforces the don't talk about your job and uh, I think that's what one of them says when when uh, Conrad starts starts, ask, starts asking questions uh, and you get sort of like you know, a couple of you know, people you know, drinking and laughing and uh, the, the minutiae of, 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 of stuff that, that, that Neil's the Neil's so good at it's just did you not want to draw like is it they're just not drawing attention to or is, 
of people working on big government contracts and just being paid a lot of yeah, money yeah. and so, I, and so yeah, I think that's what makes it interesting is yeah. that they're not doing it because they, they are, are compelled to do so mm. they're just doing it but they're not asking too many questions and that in itself can be seen as a comment on a certain way of working that you just do it and you're not entirely sure what's going on so you but then I suppose yeah, it's, it's, it's only 10 years from the end of the war when you would work on need to know basis yeah. and you wouldn't talk about yeah. stuff that was that was seen and that was seen as perfectly necessary yeah. it wasn't seen as sinister yeah. because this was this is what we need to do Absolutely. to defeat the Germans so yeah I suppose there's that that one's as well although there's um uh, Quatermass's wife does get a mention or, or by her absence as in yeah. he's, he's not going to have a 25th anniversary as well and the the late the because he blew her up as well (laughs) (laughs) she she turned into a vegetating monster there was something horrible happened if don't let him near a rocket (laughs) do you consider the Quatermass prequel as canon (laughs) if it was in his head yes there's there's controversy I don't know what this if, if Quatermass has enough of a canon that there's arguments about, <laughs> yeah, about, about what this canon get big finish does, <laughs> get big finish to make it there we go oh. you right there Howard? yeah yeah no it's just the thought of getting big finish to make it they've tried you know? have they? they, they yeah. asked they just couldn't get the rights who has the rights? Hammer at a minute up oh because the they, they, Ham, Hammer are, are currently remaking didn't Tim Burton have them for a while? that's yeah oh is he um, no, no, he, he's, apparently he wanted to do a sort of black and white 50s oh. version. I'm, I, might, I'm adding, I might be adding in the black and white bit because I've just seen Edward again. But yeah, he wanted to set it in the 50s. He would have made it quite, quite Tim Burton, wouldn't he? Well, it's a long time since he made a good film, so I can't, uh, I can't say I was crossing my fingers on that one. No. But yeah, no, the, the rights have kind of passed Oh yeah, they're, they're back with, they're back, they're, back, they're back with Hammer. So, in amongst all this jollity... Um, something drops through the ceiling and it's a very small meteor but it's not like I mean we don't see it do it because obviously it's a live TV so it's going to react to <laughs> yeah. something has gone through the ceiling and something has gone through the floor it's meant to be one of one, one, one of the meteors but what happens next there's a lot going on because the guards arrive very quickly we establish that the the workers know this sort of thing can happen but it's just called an overshoot it's yeah. something that regular that, that, that it's a part of the process but that, that you don't need you do, and you don't need to know anymore so the guards have to try and retrieve it with their fun Ghostbusters uh, <laughs> oh, 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 thing but in the background while this is going on Conrad has to get infected and is that successful or not because you see if you watch him that Delgado's in the background at some point he reacts doesn't yeah. he he reacts like it's a lot to get in there yeah. isn't it really and it's it's a bit of a thankless scene that as well because there's three or four things that have to happen yeah. but it's crucial that Conrad Although he appears to be infected in that scene, is still perfectly compassmentous to go with Qua- to drive Quatermass to the plant yeah. to get Quatermass disguised and in, yeah. then come back Definitely. and basically tell phone his story through to get the news out yeah. of, of of what's happening, and then succumb. Uh, yeah, to that, to, to that doesn't quite well. obey the rules. It doesn't, but I, I, I mean, he, and again, he when it, when. Delgado's on the phone and has the the dialogue. He phones the stuff through and he's saying like, "You're going to have to solve this because I, I can barely I can barely talk." And again, I suppose you could it's very thoughtful, isn't it? it is especially well, it's well, it's, but you know, to be, I mean, it's the days when you wouldn't just write copy and you'd yeah. have you'd have to phone it in to get it to get it in there. 
um, and presumably he has a good relationship with Asao. Um, but it's the leaps he makes there can be, I suppose, seen as like, well, basically I've got, I've got this gestalt intelligence taking over my mind. So I can info dump quite with quite not yeah, quite, yeah. quite a lot of knowledge just about as, as, as to what's happening. Meanwhile, Quatermass um, has basically infiltrated the plant, disguised himself as one of the um, as one of the guards. But this is all filmed. Was this filmed under Television Centre? Those right? are the yeah. boiler rooms, apparently. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's it's really atmospheric. And once again, you can get in some long shots yeah. and some dark shadows. That looks great. It does. And then he the episode ends with him looking through. Uh, a window into one of the into one of the domes, and you see, which I presume is is the it's the BBC Visual Effects Department with hands <laughs> and body, but it's really it's slowed down. And it's, it's, it's yeah. I assume this is a film shot, is it? Film yeah, so. a writhing mass that's clearly a, a, an alien life form. Now, on its own, if you just look at that clip on its own, you just go the model shot. But it's there's so much good stuff leading up to that. There's yeah. so much atmospherics. There's so it's almost. Like, not quite Carol Reed, but you know, there's sort of yeah. long shots of dark shadows and people standing in distance to give it a sense of scale. And he's infiltrating; he's in danger. And when he sees him, all that comes in. The music is quite effective there, and yeah. I think that's really seeing the alien. Even though it's it's you know, it's just a blob, it's a bit blob, but he slows yeah. it down. They play with it. It's I, I think I think it's really effective. Although saying that, I don't know about yourself, but the first the, the, the first scene of anything I would have seen out of Quatermass Two was that just that clip. Because I don't oh really? Think, I think it was on it was like BBC Fifty uh, when oh, BBC okay. was selling that uh, they had a big clip show which I think in itself was a repeat of something from some previous anniversary. Um, but they had <laughs> Cliff Richard talking about how affected he was by Quatermass, Ringo Starr talking about it, and then it cuts to that clip. So I remember seeing that clip years, possibly even decades before I actually ended up seeing Didn't the actual that, show. Was it Quatermass Two? They show an episode because it's shot at Lime Grove. Yeah. Right? Course, sorry, it's it's broad, it, it, yeah, shot at Lime Grove. Um, they show one episode of it because there was yeah when they closed Lime Grove. Do you remember this, Howard? In about ninety one, when they closed, they had like a like, yeah. they had like a celebration night of Lime Grove Studios, and they showed that was the first time that the pilot episode of Doctor Who had been broadcast yeah. as opposed to the oh the, right the, yeah the mounted episode. And I think they showed yeah, a, an, right. an episode of Quatermass Two. Yeah, well, I can't remember seeing it, and I would have done. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Actually, that yeah, but I must have seen that then. But I can't remember. <laughs> I, I must have read that somewhere. People can write in if they if, if they if they want to as well. So the cliffhanger on the very eerie site of was it? It had been Bernard Wilkie and Jack Klein doing doing doing, doing their thing, which is and uh, Swarfika and, and <laughs> But sound effects, lighting, and the speed at which you, it's slowing the film down. It's reversing the film down. It's just a great effect to a very a, a very eerie and effective cliffhanger to episode four. Hello. Put me through to the night desk. Hurry! Frank? Frank, this is Conrad. Hugh Conrad. Now listen, I've got a story here. Get it, every word. Don't ask questions, just get it. For the past year, this country, and probably others, has been under the influence of... Look, Frank, you'll have to sub this to make it sound right, but... Under the influence of something from outside the earth. Yes. The things come in what appear to be meteorites. Contact with them produces violent infection. Ten minutes ago, I became the victim of one. I... No, Frank, I can't. I, I can't. Look. Are you getting this? 
subjugation to the intention of the thing is widespread. It's given rise to the production of a, a protected colony at a place called Winnerden Flats. No, it's not synthetic food. It's, it's the recreation of a world 800 million miles away. They're coming at this moment in thousands. Episode 5, The Frenzy. We've seen what Kratomas has seen in the, in the dome, something evil and alien growing. Kratomas is caught by the guards, and they really are going to shoot him this time. But he's saved yeah. by revolting peasants. <laughs> and there's, this is, there's the sequence where the people who've been working on the plant, hearing what uh, Quatermass and Comrade have been saying about what's really going on, decide to take matters into their own hands. Is there, is there something to be said about workers revolting here? I think, that, I think there probably is, but probably only up to a point. Yeah. And I think in the Quatermass memoirs he says, you know, I think he talks about it and then he subsequently said that it wasn't necessarily on his mind. But oh, you can't avoid the fact that it's... That I, I, I... It's also sort of a modernised version of, as you said, the revolting peasants trope, really, isn't it? Yeah, but I, 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 I agree with Andy that there's, it's, it's predominantly done as a, as a way of creating a distraction and therefore getting, getting characters into place. He's not trying to yeah. say too much about no. capitalism. And, you know, no, no. Oh, no, no. And I, I, I mean, he tends... Yeah, this isn't on his mind, really, at all. I, I, I totally agree. Um... But let's have a mob. Let's have a mob of poor people. Well, it is the revolting peasant trope. It's yeah. kind of beautifully done. It is, but I mean, these these they're, they're working class people. But we've established they're being well paid, basically, for their for their for their ignorance. They're being well paid to do what they were they, they yeah. want to do. It. But then they have morality. They have dignity. They have. They don't want this to be. They they don't want huge money to that they would earn to to buy their silence if something else, if if you know, if they're producing something. You know, Supposedly evil or bad or, or something bad or human, they you know, they have you know, they have principles that sort of thing. Which again is interesting because Neil is quite good at the sort of horror where which dissolves about people doing the right thing because of principles that avails them nothing. I mean, good people, which you know, bad good things people happen to good being people. good and suffering for it horribly. And I I can't can't help thinking you know someone who perhaps was alive in a generation that remembered World War Two would be able to write that, you know, would think that, you know, the fact that actually goodness avails you nothing is very bleak, but this is the world he's come from. Yeah, yeah um, but then taking matters into your own hands or, you know, having, you know, having to suspend your usual morality based in you know, extreme circumstances. And although it's not really, well, it's possibly unclear from when I, from when I last watched the sequence where... The, the workers are sort of hammering at the gates, demanding answers. The, yeah. the zombie guards aren't really doing anything, and there's the voice saying, basically, go away. But um, the, the the main the main character we're in, one of the main characters we're introduced to from, from the workers, uh, an Irishman called Paddy. Because, quite, of course, he's called Paddy. What gets quite trigger-happy is my, my main issue. He gets a, they, they, they get guns off, off the guards, don't they? And yeah. then there's, there's a bit of shooting, and it's like that. That was a bit of a leap for me. From like, I'm angry. I want. I demand answers. To mob rule has taken over a bit. A bit quick here. Yeah, but then again, maybe you could see that as a comment on what's going on, whether it's conscious or not. I think there's definitely what 
Ben Elton used to call a little bit, of, a little bit of politics in there, but I think it's as political as he ever got, and he didn't, he didn't, he consciously didn't like getting political. Uh, Neil, I think he sort of kept out of it. Could you retroactively add the Martian influence? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I can go in and rewrite the bit. But it end, But anyway, the uh, the the revolt ends with Quatermass and several of the workers in the gas distribution centre cut off alone. They they able to break in and. For convenience' sake, there's no, they can't the uh, the guards can't can't get in. They're cut off, and it's that and some sabotage has happened. Yeah, well, it's they quite a mass lays out to establish that if he pumps oxygen into because he's a, he's familiar with the building because basically it's yeah, the same it's construction as he's design. as he was as he's designed for the moon. So Quatermass theorizes that if he uses it to pump oxygen into the domes, he'll kill the creatures inside, um, and then the voice of the control. Tries to negotiate, and if we're, if we're ticking off Doctor Who, we've got Macro exactly, yeah. as well. And, so, <laughs> and, and it's, it's sort of grotesque as well. You've got them pumping through lift music because they think it makes it better. Oh, it's the night shift, isn't it? It's the, when they had yeah. the night shift to start the automatic music. Yeah, didn't Neil say that was like one of his one of his favourite moments? It's yeah, easy. It, the it workers' playtime. Workers' playtime. That's yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite it's quite it's quite chilling. Um, but one of the uh, there was is it the um, the older worker who was celebrating his. 25th anniversary he wants to he wants to negotiate or see oh, is he, oh I want to, he wants to see yeah. but it's himself he's, and they, they the, 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 the voice the controller offers to show any part of it that you want and he wants to see inside the dark and this is the single most for me <laughs> the single most horrific yeah. moment in the whole freaking thing it's just what the result of that and what they do with him is just it, it's it's creates a, an absolute sense of revulsion and yeah. horror, the inhumanity of it. I mean, the lift music's actually a start of that because it's like there's a freaking riot going on. And they're like, we shall play the workers' playtime because this suits the workers. And they don't understand. They, they've got this absolute lack of empathy. Yeah. And that means that what they do with that guy is just utterly callous. So, yeah. For those of you who haven't seen it, um, because it all, and again, live TV, it all happens off camera. You're only you, which somehow makes it worse in what you infer, which you don't yeah. see, is that um, the two or three that's work, blood. Yeah, two, yeah. Or three, two or three workers go off to meet with to meet with the personnel and be shown inside the dome. And the next thing you find out is that the pipe pumping oxygen into the dome, and therefore in the process of cleaning the creatures, has been blocked with something. And then blood comes out of the of a pipe, and you understand that the, the bodies of those people have been pulped and blocked into the into the pipe. And yeah, that is that it's, is pretty great. It's really alien, isn't it? That, yeah. it's, it's not you know he doesn't write doesn't say space aliens talking no. dialogue. He just makes these things happen, which just feel as you say they create that revulsion because it is so alien. It is so dispassionate. Yeah, it's that's right. So it's fair. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's, no, it's they, you're not playing by the rules. Yeah. It's just not. It's like the, the first time I saw like J horror, and, I, and I, it was more. I, as I've, I've talked with Howard before about, and this was more about my ignorance of uh, of the one shot program when I was young, rather than. But I like. I think I saw the Grudge, and it's like if you left that, the ghost followed you and killed. No, that's not. If you've left the house now, like, I'm not. No, no you like. No, the ghost followed you the and ghost, killed you, and was hiding under your duvet. Like, no, that's not fair. The that's safest not fair. imaginable place. It's yeah, no, under your duvet. 
and it's, there's the feeling of like you've broken the rules that's that's disturbing and that's and there's there's something here like yeah. there's the, 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 the brutal body horror of pulping the bodies and using them physically to, is there no other way to block the pipe it doesn't matter <laughs> we've, we've got it's like it's the nearest thing to hand it's yeah. just we've got these corpses here yeah. we've just executed them yeah but it's it, 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 and it's also basically like we're, we're not fucking about here we're like, like you're, you're gonna die horribly if we if 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 we so choose which then i wonder it makes um the ending of of, of that particular sequence a bit clear in the in the melee, in the initial melee of when they've escaped into the, the distribution center, one of them's got a bazooka, <laughs> um, and they managed to go out of it by basically in anger, at, understandable anger at the, the the brutalized death of their of their colleagues. Paddy fires a bazooka into one of the domes, causing it to fracture yeah. and the gases to escape and kill and, 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 and kill the creature. And in the in the ensuing melee, again, I'm not sure it's it's totally clear. Quatermass gets free, and Doctor Pugh has come to to meet with him, and and it and helps him escape. That 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 feel that feels a bit rushed, but it's possibly because it's overshadowed by just yeah. what's what's the scale. What's what what's what's gone before, but that would seem to suggest that the 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 threat in the in 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 the UK has been dealt with. But of course, as we've already established, this is a worldwide threat, and there's yeah there's yes. and beyond and beyond yeah. yeah. And in any case, another lot of meteors is coming in soon from yeah. from the shop, which is then why we've seeded the the Quatermass the the the, the Mass two rocket. But are we at this point, we're meant to know that Pew's been been taken over, aren't we? Yeah. But Quatermass doesn't, mm-hmm. and that's at the point he notices. Uh, it's it's quite a lot. In, he's not until he's on the asteroid in episode six, is it? He notices, and it's like we all know. Are you not really following this? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's quite a mass who actually realizes, and you think he'd know. Yeah, you think he'd be a bit paranoid. But I don't know. Again, I think this doesn't necessarily fall outside of the realms of making sense. I think. We one of my biggest problems with a lot of horror movies is when people are clever. Is when people know that they're in horror movies yeah. and behave like you have some nerd going. Oh, if I was in that movie, I would do this. It's like, well, you're not in that movie. But also, in the, that ignores the reality of, of of how you do feel. If you hear a noise downstairs, you know it's 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 not a crazed murder or a supernatural threat. There's a, there's there's a logical explanation. There's a noise downstairs, yeah, yeah. And you go and investigate that that, that noise downstairs because that's it, it's it's not going to be horrible. That's why you know, the, 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 the 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 rules change. Nevertheless, in showing sort of like the not showing but in in explaining the brutalized deaths of workers, you now feel. Like quite a mass has no choice. We've got to blow these guys up. Yeah. We've got to blow them up now. Yeah, it's been t- time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time is t- t- time. Time is of the essence. And in that sense, it, 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 it works well. But of course, the film here just goes for we fire a rocket remotely <laughs> yeah. to, to what you have to blow it up. Yeah. But here we we don't. Quite mass has to is going, is going to have to take the rocket up. And this is where I think episode six, as we're going to find, is such a problem. Because I think we've gotten to the point where the stakes have been raised so high. <laughs> this thing's happening all over the world. It's enormous. They have. They are utterly, utterly ruthless. But we've a stage yet to get to because Quatermass has now decided, and with the audience yeah. on his side, that they've got to fire a rocket or they've got to fly the rocket and use use the the, the, the resulting nuclear explosion that would happen because the rocket's unstable to destroy um, the. Uh, 
creatures than yeah. aliens. Whatever. We've got a new these bastards. Yeah. Um, and but when he gets back to to the rocket group, the army's there, and Captain Dylan's back, and Captain Dylan's possessed. Um, and which, yeah, which leads to the cliffhanger of of episode five, and. Okay, we haven't seen Captain Dylan since the, the opening moments of episode two, but you know the, the serialized nature of this. I'm guessing the majority of people, you know, this this was event television in the way that you know six part serials would necessarily become later on. But people, you know, even though he's we've, we've been missing for pretty much four episodes, he's right at the end of episode right right. Paula's boyfriend, although you never really get a sense of their relationship. <laughs> but, yeah, no, anyway, no, there isn't really much time to develop it. Really, for those of us that remember how we were introduced in the story, to the story by Captain Dillon. When Quatermass is introduced to the situation by Captain Dillon, he was sort of the everyman, despite being a plummy captain. Nevertheless, he was more an audience and identification figure. And now he's here as a sort of the, the spokesperson for the aliens, and I'm going to shut you down. And that's... Yeah, that's so something that has to be done. And, and, that, and, that, and that's where the very effective episode, episode five ends. Right. Alert all sections. For rocket takeoff at 0817 hours. Get me the firing base. Here, you take it. We must be able to hold up this place long enough. Must be somebody there. I, I thought I saw figures. Figures! Firing base? Hello, who's that? Who? Your boss. John Dillon. He's come back. Yes, back. The rocket base is under our control. Episode six, The Destroyers. We've established from the previous episode that Captain Dillon is now has now pretty much taken over the rocket group's base that Bernard wants to blow up the aliens to save the planet, but He's probably even he has underestimated just how far up the conspiracy goes. Because yeah. are we? Does he give him a letter from the prime minister? <laughs> Is that he gives him a letter from the prime minister? Who's prime minister now? Eden. Yes. Yes. Right. Unless yeah. it's an yeah. alternate. Unless it's alternate. Yeah. Well, because in quite a mass experiment, there was implied that uh, Churchill gave a broadcast before before Bernard. But it, it's never said just to the prime minister. But um, while given what we know about Eden now. Um, uh, the idea that in the previous episode the Prime Minister was seen as basically right, right this is what we need to do this, yeah. this is a new darkest hour yeah. and here's Quatermass to tell you what's going to happen Quatermass unfortunately is quite, quite negative about everything <laughs> <laughs> but obviously time is short and, and, and Churchill wouldn't have been able to clear what he was going to say but here we're told that pretty much it's implied you know Anthony Eden is a, is a, has been taken over by aliens which yeah. which uh, well, yeah. History wouldn't. To be, be honest, it checks out. Reality wouldn't be any any any, any, any kinder to, yeah. to to Eden's Eden's legacy. Sorry, Howard, you 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 were going to speak. I was going to say right. Um, the obviously, as I was watching this for the first time a few weeks ago, I remember sending you messages while I was watching episode five going, this is great, this is fantastic, holy shit, this is terrifying, that's so bleak, this is amazing, it's a fantastic piece, and, he, and you're like, yeah, you may find episode six a little disappointing. I'm like, how could I find episode six a little disappointing? Oh. oh. I've, I'd like to point out, overall, I was really, really positive about it. Well, but <laughs> you were, you were, you like, you just said episode six is a little disappointing. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, yes. 
yes, it is a little disappointing. It starts. I mean, it starts fine because you have, and but you have the Quatermass appealing to the aliens' humanity at the beginning of the episode, rather than the rather than the end of the episode, which leaves Wait, which God. isn't going to end well. You know that's not going to end well. But it's like because you you. I'm assuming Neil's like deliberately subverting the idea of the audience expectation. This is how Neil. This, this is how Quatermass <laughs> defeated defeated the last one, and he appeals to to the alien in Dylan, yeah. not knowing there's also an alien in Pew. It's about to, but we do. So yeah. we're fine. Um, and also, the film of Quatermass Expand would have just come out. Oh, very so true. Think, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah here we go. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> Except, of course, that he isn't appealing to the humanity of no, the Christian. Right. He just electrocutes. <laughs> he just electrocutes. Yeah. <laughs> essentially blows up Westminster Abbey. He's a octopus. Another thing that could be spared. From, no, it's from the autons. Anyway. Um, Dylan recovers enough to allow Quatermass and, uh, and 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 Pew to to pilot the remaining uh, the remaining rockets to to blow up the aliens. Do we think at this point that this is a suicide mission? Because the way it plans out with the stages of the rocket, it's almost Quatermass is, is expecting to. We don't know that it isn't. Do no, that's true. I like when um, the the medical doctor. Examines both Quatermass and and Pugh and basically says like neither of you are remotely fit for for space travel, but we've got zero choice. Is that that's Armageddon would do that <laughs> a, few, a few years later? I, mean, like, Bruce, I, I, th- I think Wilson in the end, that's why episode six is kind of hokey. I think because actually Neil has written himself into a corner at this point. He's written a conspiracy that's so big, so far-reaching, and so horrific, and the only way in order to defeat it is by resorting to cheesy space opera. I mean, how much is that to do with the script and how much is that to do with how the script is realised? Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's, ambition is good, isn't it? Yeah. But this is very ambitious and in practical terms, money had run short and realising it was very difficult. And also is there a degree to which, as we've said, episode five is so good Mm. that you'd be like uh, you can't really top that can you and it's so good you know a lot happens and it's uh, there are certain sort of moments of uh, of sort of scale but it's quite low-key really it's it's a load of people whereas they go now we're going to send a rocket up into space and it's like how are you going to get away with this oh you're not quite really are you yeah (laughs) because a lot of the rocket into space is Hugh and Quatermass sitting together in a room talking and the and the the, the pacing goes 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 right down until we until we get to the rocket yeah and we get to the rocket and then obviously but this this is again what you you do when you've seen the first um, the the Quatermass adaptations before this it's easy now to just say that's ridiculous but in 1955, there's still a big unknown of what yeah. space travel, what yeah, space, exactly. well, the like, space travel yeah. would look like. Oh, you know, the fact you couldn't, you couldn't, the idea of landing a rocket on, a, on, a, let alone blasting off again yeah, yeah. In, 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 in stages. Um, but you know, land, so you know, land, landing the rocket on an asteroid containing an alien life form in order to, 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 to destroy it. But then you know, it's no, it's it's yeah. You don't know what you don't know. I suppose is that you know, that. Or you don't know what you don't know about firing a gun in zero. <laughs> because despite the fact Pew's probably had ample time to try and kill Quatermass on, on the rocket, <laughs> on it, rocket he waits until he's on the on the asteroid and then tries to shoot him. What happens to a gun in in, in zero gravity? Because has anyone tried? Somebody must have tried. I don't know. It's 
do, do, do you know how? Because Quatermass says to people, don't fire that because the recoil will be as bad for you. And obviously there's no friction. The re- no idea. Well, yeah. Will there My be physics a- are kind of wobbly. Yeah, because there'll be, there'll be a recoil. I mean, the gun, the gun is fine. But then the, how does the gun fire? Can a gun fire? Is, it like, is, it, is there a spark needed? Is there, I don't know. Does something need to ignite without oxygen? I can't, are we, are we I can't remember the, Star Cops that well. <laughs> are we choosing the wrong point to do, do the wrong point <laughs> piece to, to, to pick on a physics? Some, something I do really like is the fact that you know I think there was you know in paperwork and things it was referred to as Quatermass Experiment Two, Quatermass TWO. Mm. Um, so it kind of <laughs> it kind of assumes this name, but I like the fact that Neil takes the title and says, "I'm actually going to make it mean something." So in, in the end, he kind of takes Quatermass to, which saves the world, uh, and makes it mean something other than just, you know, a, a, a sequel, a numeric sequel. Does the um, does that imply that the, the rocket in the first, uh, sorry, was called the Quatermass? Yeah. I suppose then, yeah, we don't, we don't know what it isn't, it's not named. <laughs> um, so Pew is killed because he flies off into space in reaction to fire to firing the gun, um, and Quatermass is able to separate this. It's able to separate his rocket, fly that back to Earth, and the resultant bit of, of nuclear waste that's left on the rocket blows up. But do, it's the idea that the, oh, I, they're flown. Well, they're flown to their destination before the, and it's like we can't use this rocket because it's going to blow up at any moment. The original rocket blows up shortly after, yeah. isn't it? So we, we have to just accept yeah, that it's. Kind of stretching rules a bit it is um, and it, it it just becomes slightly less about character doesn't it episode 6 it, it becomes trying yeah. really quickly to, to, to wrap it up as, as quickly as we can and hope because again yes don't know as don't know any more about physics than <laughs> is this is this is this going to work but anyway the, the alien starts to wrap itself around the rocket Quatermass separates the front bit of the rocket, flies back to Earth, leaving leaving the remainder to, to blow up. But really unsatisfactorily, Quatermass just says, "Oh, it's blown up," and then we we see back on on Earth, Dylan is 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 has come to, and it's implied there that everyone that was possessed is now is now okay. And what, I don't know if that means whatever's gone inside them will fall off or or or, or, or stay. But, but again, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's just too neat. It's just like, it's too quick. oh, we better fix it and give everybody a happy ending because otherwise the only other option is for the aliens to successfully take over and destroy the world. I can't help feeling that that's... When, when, when we do the film of Greater Mass 2, whether that's got it... You just... You, when you fire the rocket but don't really spend that much time with it, the rocket hits the meteor from, from a distance and, and the influence is lost and you can deal with that... Uh, on a, it's taking Quatermass into space, which something breaks down. Something. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, that it, Quatermass on a space in a spacesuit on on uh, an asteroid somehow feels less real. Yeah. I, I, in, in the film version of Quatermass Two, of course, they um, he doesn't go, yeah. they just blow up the facility well, because the it's rocket, the only facility. Yeah, they fire the rocket, but Quatermass doesn't go on the rocket. But in, yeah. the, in the way that Neil's so good at those kind of more recognisable and, you know, just around the corner settings, once you get to, you know, this, it's less so and it, it's pushing its look a bit. It's just that, it's, as you say, it's, it's kind of ramped it up so high that how can we how can we conclude all this in a way that is um, 
reasonably affordable yeah, <laughs> and yeah. fairly quick. And it is tricky. It is tricky. But they tried. They oh, yeah, they, well. they, they, they didn't. It's, it's very easy for us to, to, to point out the flaws now, 60 years later, but it's, you know, it's the, the cutting edge of, of, what they're, of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve yeah. in TV is, 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 is un, 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 unprecedented. But there was a certain, you know, because I forget who it was, but there was some communication from sort of high up in the BBC that um, I think after the first episode had gone out that it wasn't as good as the Christmas experiment. There was some sort of slight sort of sniping that, oh, the scripts aren't quite as good, are they? And Neil turned around and sort of sent them in a sort of portfolio of, of reviews saying how fantastic it was. Saying, well, you know, it's doing all right. Um, and this was during, not after. Yeah, not, I think this was during, not, not after. No, no during, so yeah. Which, you know, isn't great for morale, is it? No, <laughs> midway through your process, well, this is a bit yeah. And presumably, men, because of the slightly more chaotic way things work, then these scripts wouldn't have been signed off. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. like, Neil and, and Cartier can do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. that's not very good. Yeah, yeah. the boss at some point, which, yeah. No, 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 that's not ideal. That's very helpful. <laughs> um, how was the story received at, at the time, though, by the by, 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 the public. by the public, yeah, yeah I think I mean it did very well, and you know it's. I think, I mean it, it's 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 not really held its reputation over time. It, you know, Quatermass Two is the least great of the Quatermass serials, I would say, but it's still great. Um, you know, why, why is it the 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 third the, least, the well, third goodest? The, well, <laughs> well, I think because you know. Sequels are usually crap. So it's kind of improved slightly in, in recent times, but certainly, you know, when you first got that rush of sort of endless sequels in the 80s and 90s, sequels were usually diminishing returns. The first one was good. I think the second one is good, but different. And that's an interesting thing is that, you know, despite it being called Quatermass 2, it certainly wasn't, oh, we'll just do it again and we'll put a different name on it and sort of change it a little bit. It's, it's substantially different from the first one. And the third one is different again. It's like, you know, what a testament to Neil's ability that even by the third one, he said, well, we're going to do this differently now. Neil maintained before that he had the idea for all three at the same time. But that's, I don't, that's I've never believed that. Again, yeah. It yeah. That strikes me as that kind of George Lucas thing of, oh, I had all eight Star or 12 or however many Star Wars films in my, I don't think really... You know, it considering was, that he also tells the same story that he didn't, he hadn't written this part six of the Quatermass experiment yeah. when part when part one was being was being shown. Yeah, which doesn't suggest it was all it, it, it was it was all in place. Not at all, and it was literally you know sort of a last minute kind of uh, you know fill the fill the schedule job. So it certainly wasn't seen as part you know the first instalment of Cecil McGiven apparently was Cecil McGiven. Was, yeah, was the was the was the was the, was the person criticising it from within the BBC. But apart from Doctor Who, what is where do you think the legacies for for for, for, for Quatermass two lies when we've got you know government conspiracies? We've got um, hush ups and that as well. What what what, what are the, the big areas? Mm. In terms of genre stuff, I suppose yeah, I was, there all kind of, wasn't there was a a god awful show called The Uninvited, which starred Leslie. This isn't exactly the most shining example of it. Starring Leslie Grantham, about uh, twenty years ago, and I just I, I always have this idea that. You know, people are now ripping off Nigel Neal who've no idea how Nigel Neal was or what Quatermass is. They're basically, and you know, Spirit from Space is a great example of that. They're basically ripping off something that's ripped off Quatermass. The ideas have just kind of, you know, drifted down through the, the decades now. Um, so you can see things that have, uh, you know, been inspired by what Quatermass is doing that 
they would the, the makers would have no idea what what where it came from in the first place now I think so like Invasion of Body Snatchers we're just dealing with similar themes about I the think so. as well yeah. you don't think there was a direct sort of uh, influence say the X-Files on that between the two they said they were fans and they asked him to write for the X-Files which he was <laughs> he was very uh, poli- impolite about turning down um, I, I think um, the the fact that these things all seem to happen at roughly the same time as part of a cultural moment Invasion of Body Snatchers and Quite a Mass both have a kind of paranoia thing happening about people being changed but then that's because that's kind of what was in the air yeah, in the 50s. And you can sort of see that, and you can sort of see actually why the X-Files in the 90s would want to ask Nigel Neal to write an episode. Because that same sort of thing was in the air in the 90s, 90s horror and science fiction such as it does, is, is that, has sorry. those undercurrents. Is that not partly when a new generation of filmmakers and yeah. stuff like that becomes aware of something that happens well, yeah. you know, with yeah, um, things like Alien, you know, John Carpenter. John Carpenter was a, was a huge fan of the yeah. Hammer films, wasn't he, yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah he and, was. Yeah, he's the only person in the world that his, his favourite quite a is Don Levy. You know, <laughs> it's, um, not that the, uh, it's, 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 the, the, the good feeling is reciprocated necessarily, <laughs> necessarily with Neil. Um, but... If you look at um, a type of story that's done, then it's I suppose it's you can take Quatermass too and say cons- cons- conspiracy theory and play into wider sort of macro political terms any more than you can then say the pit does you know, folklore and, yeah. fo- and, 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 and folk horror. It's not like because folk horror is, is, has been discussed ad, ad infinitum is uh, is a retroactive. Oh, has it? Yes. I had I realised. Yeah, you can. It's not like you know, Robert. Har- sorry, Robin Hardy saw Quatermass in the pit and says, "I want to do. I want to take that." Yeah. Really, it's just it's it's then a, it's, just a it's it's a it's it's a it's a feeling of being able to you know intertwine folklore and horror and yeah. and science into into in, 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 in Indeed. Anything you want to raise, Howard, that we haven't done so far that you want to? I say? think we've covered it all pretty much. I think we have. We've, we've, we've. Um, I think we've covered all the bases, and the the alien food plants, as well. <laughs> so that's good. That's good as well. I just didn't really, I didn't know this as well because I was looking up as you said at the uninvited TV series. It's Leslie Grantham. It is Leslie Grantham. It was novelised by Paul Connell, the Virgin. Oh really? Yeah. Huh? Oh, I suppose he was doing a lot of stuff. Like that, it was. So. Yeah. Because we can we can we get this into as a, basically a new adventure spin-off <laughs> as, as, as well. Is there anything you want to say? No, no, we, have, we haven't covered on, on, on Quatermass 2. I don't think and, so. And, 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 and it seems to be an awful lot of... That's all right, yeah. No, the old stuff. But yeah. But if there's anything... I'm sure we'll come back to it as well. Um, and I'll give a pause while we think about what to say in terms, of, in, in, in terms of an edit. But it remains for me to say, Andy Murray, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much indeed. And that was Quatermass 2. Our thanks to Andy. And if you've not read his book, Into the Unknown, The Fantastic Life of Nigel Neal, you really should. And while I'm in a plugging mood, our editor Emma is running 12 marathons this year to raise money for Calm, a charity for the prevention of male suicide. 
So if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please consider making a contribution, however small. Just visit bit.ly forward slash coops for calm. That's C-O-O-P-S dash the number four dash calm. Thanks also to Steve Horry and Andrea Kinnear. You can follow Birdcast on Twitter at Birdcast Calling, find us on Facebook, or our website is birdcast.room207press.com. Birdcast is presented by John Deere and Howard Ingham and is edited by Emma Cooper. Thanks for listening. Thank you.